Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. So this week, we've got uh, just a little short message. I had, uh, had a guy reach out to me. And he said, thank you. The podcast has been a great impact on my days. So Ryan, thanks for sending me a note. Really appreciate it. It's funny how sometimes the simplest message can come in at exactly the right time and disrupt your thoughts. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, I don't know where this guy came from. I have no idea who this Ryan guy is, but super cool that he checked out the podcast. Uh, Turns out he did an online search, found it checked out the podcast, liked it, and has been listening to it. So thanks for being a, a listener, and thanks for thanks for the note. I like really, really, really appreciate the encouragement. And he jumped into the private Facebook group, mm-hmm. The Journey of a Christian Dad. So really excited to have you with us, Ryan. And with that said, we are about ready to get started with, uh, with a guy that I've known for quite some time and actually been wanting to have him on for quite a while. I just hadn't reached out to him yet. So with that said, welcome, Ken Kafar. Say your last name. <laughs> I know <laughs> how wanna, I say it. You want to go English or the Italian? We'll go both. How about that? Yeah, Ken, yeah, Car- Ken Carfagno. Carfagno like it's okay. spelled, that's, that's the way the, I was going to go. Yeah, that's the English and that's how I even say it. But really, for those Italians out there, it's Ken Carfagno. Ah, there we go. Yeah. There so either we go. way. Yeah. C-A-R-F-A-G-N-O. Carfano. When my wife and I were in Italy after college, the cool one of the coolest feelings was b- being in a small town called Rio Maggiore, Rio Maggiore on the Cinque Terre. And I remember this old Italian lady, she didn't speak a lick of English. And she looked, I was just trying to figure out how to get a place to stay. I couldn't speak Italian. And so I was just showing her things and she saw my name written down. She says, oh, Carfagno, Carfagno, he, and she just started speaking Italian and she's follow us. So she saw my name and that was endearing to her. So that was cool. <laughs> oh, that is really cool. There's a Hoffman family here in St. Louis. They super rich and they just bought like a whole town the other day. And wow. one of my buddies, whose na- last name happens to be Hoffman and the guy says he's like oh you're a hoffman and he gives him like one of the family's hats and you know whatever so yeah really? that that's funny how a name can connect people to others oh there's gonna be a, if we come back to this there's probably a whole thread of a conversation on the identity of a name yeah yeah absolutely. oh yeah yeah For we can sure. come back to that possibly so. so let's tell uh let's tell everybody just a little bit about you so i know married you just love your wife like crazy you've got a bunch of kids between the ages of five and 17 almost ready to turn 18 and you live your life a little bit differently than other people do which that's kind of one of my themes in life is to live different we are supposed to live different and so whenever when somebody says hey man that guy lives kind of different or i live kind of different like wow thank you what do you mean by that but like, I really appreciate that. And I don't care what they say. They could criticize me. Perfect. You're probably criticizing me for something that I'm glad you saw. He so anyway, that. yeah, yeah. So that's how I'd kind of describe you also. You, you, you don't live 
by the same general thoughts that other people typically live by. So I'll, I'll say the ways of the world. Mm-hmm. You live differently than that. So tell us a little bit about about your family and, and that sure. kind of thing. Yeah, thank you for that introduction. And for those that are checking out this podcast, Dan and I have some history. We used to be part of a, a mastermind together way back. I mean, at the very beginning of uh, of the Dad's Edge, right, two thousand and maybe sixteen or seventeen, somewhere in there. Yeah, way I was back. Still, way back. I was still living in New York at the time, but what really connected the two of us is both of us were out there, businessmen in the community, Christian in the community, and just had a heart to lead our families. So we, he would jump on, we'd both jump on a call with eight or nine other dads from around the country on a Monday morning. I remember it was so much fun doing those calls. So that's something different. I mean, here you are, Dan, here I am, a dad getting on a call with other dads on Monday morning at, I believe it was 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah. Yeah. So just that by definition is definitely weird because the majority of the population is sitting in a cubicle or or swinging a hammer or whatever, it's 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. And here we are, dads. And the first thing that we think to do with our week is invest in our fatherhood skills, right? And that's what we did. That's different, right? (laughs) Yep, yep. And then that wasn't a Christian group at all. Not that it was bad people, but it wasn't specifically open Christians. And and you were very open Christian. And at the end of the meeting, you're like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, you still are. And at the end of the meeting, you're like, all right, hey, listen, everybody, I'm a Christian. I just want to, you know, say a quick prayer for us and everything. Anybody that doesn't want to be around for the prayer, feel free and bounce. They However, stayed though. They stayed. And everybody was, stayed every time. Wasn't that cool? I want, I remember like once I think opened up my eyes once and everyone's head was bowed. And then there's like always be one guy just staring at me, <laughs> just like seeing what the guy, the, the Christian guy is doing, praying. But yeah, that's a good, yeah. that's a good lesson. It really is like our, as a Christian man, are you, are you confident enough in just the, just people's needs for prayer? Because you don't realize, you think I shouldn't impose my religion or my faith on someone else. Actually, I all the time I'm asking people whenever they have anything that is going in a direction that they want to be better, whether it's bad and they want to be better or it's already good and they want want it to be better. I'll say, can I pray for you? I don't care what background, faith, religion they are. They always say, I, I rarely ever get someone that says, no, I had it happen recently. Someone says, oh, that's okay. No, you don't need to. I said, well, I'll just pray for you on, on my own time. Then they're like, okay, that's fine. But they always say yes. And I just, on that call, why not? There's what, eight, nine other men on there. I'm just going to do this, but I'm going to make it so you don't have to stay. And so I'm just going to say a prayer and it's going to be for a general prayer for goodwill and, and well-being for you, for your family, for your children, for your wives, for your wives. So if you want to stay on, listen and pray with me. Cool. If not, um, take off if you need to. And no one left. So yeah, I encourage yeah. any dad out there, don't have any fear around that. Just be confident. Just, just be you. Like that's a really, really big thing. It's the simplest, easiest, smallest thing, but yet we can be afraid of what other people think. I was at a business lunch. Gosh, this may have been eight years ago or so. And it was just me and one other guy. And I just met the guy recently and he opens the lunch up with a prayer before we even really got to know each other. And as we're eating, I said, Hey, can we go back a little bit? I want to ask you a quick question. 
And he says, yeah, what is it? And I said, how do you pray? Or do you pray before every meal, including business meals like this one? Or for some reason, did you just decide to pray with me? And he goes, oh, no, it's every business meal. In yes. all meals, I, I pray before. And I said, all right, can I ask you another question? <laughs> and now he's interested. Now he's like, all right, what's the real question? What do you really want to know? And I said, I said, hey, Kevin, um, how do you do that? How do you step into saying a prayer before every business meal? There wasn't a you know, qualification there. Well, when I'm with the atheist or when I'm with a, somebody else or when I'm with a, somebody that I just met, then I don't. He didn't say that. He said, no, every meal. And he goes, yeah, it's really simple. I just look at the other person. I say, hey, would it be okay if I said a quick prayer before the meal? And then they nod their head and say yes. And then I pray. And then at the end, he goes, hey, would you do something for me? I say, yeah, what's that? He goes, at every business meal, would you consider praying every time? Oh, I like it. It's and a challenge. I said, I said yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now that you've shown me the way, like that's a super comfortable thing for me to do and also a way to plant seeds along the way. So, oh, if it wasn't six months later, become a habit. I introduced two attorneys to each other and I forgot one had told me she was an atheist. <laughs> you asked her for prayer. And you pray for her. And it was a Friday before Easter. So the one attorney orders a fish. I order a fish. She orders a steak. And I say, hey, guys, would it be right if I said a quick prayer? And I glance at her prayer before we eat. I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm looking directly at an atheist when I said this. And she smiled real big and nodded her head and just got warm and super friendly. And she says, that would be lovely. Huh. Isn't that about cool? like it never even happened? And you know, we went about our yeah. ways. That was that was like the 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 time when I was the most uncomfortable at asking that. And I only ask it half, you know, the halfway point is where I got uncomfortable because it was just automatic at that point. And then I, I mean, realized the situation I'd got myself in. I can even step it up and make it even more uncomfortable for you. We're yeah. we're a family of huggers. Yeah, yeah. And we're also, whenever we pray as a family, which is every meal, we've always done yeah. that. We've always made it a point to be home together for meals. I mean, we get into more of my story. We homeschool. Mom's always been home. Dad, it's me. I've been out working, running a family company for the Lord. And I've been, I've had the ability to be home a lot and even more so recently. Uh, but whenever we pray, we always hold hands. We go around the table mm -hmm. and when guests come to our house, we all hold hands and any kind of a Thanksgiving, we'll hold hands. It's like, just uh, just not like it's passive part of prayer. It's just symbolic. And it's like, we're all connected and fellowship. And so I go to many breakfasts and, and local networking type of thing, events and stuff and meet up with other guys and Hey, you want to pray? And I'll grab their hands. I say, well, we hold hands and we pray. <laughs> and then some of the guys are like, cool. Others are like, can't take their hand back from it. I'm like, well, if you're not comfortable, that's fine. But I'm a hand holder. I'm a hugger. They're like, okay, whatever you say. And they go with it. So if you want to even get more uncomfortable, go for the, go for the, go for the hand, go for the hand, single <laughs> hand, awesome. double hand. <laughs> that's awesome. And, and guys, uh, Ken's from the East coast. So this that says a lot, you know, whatever. So, so United States guy, East coast, you know, I'm in the Philadelphia areas. I'm in the city of brotherly love with, 
which I just saw a publication on some, I don't know, some, some headline somewhere that this app, it tracks like conversations on social media and such, and it links it back to geography. And it ranked the rudest cities in America and Philadelphia got number one. <laughs> and I think <laughs> Memphis, Tennessee got number two. And I think it was New York city got number three or four. So I posted, I posted on Facebook. Okay. Here I'm, I'm like a nice, every time I prayer and the guy could tell me holding hands as a Christian. Right. And I posted on Facebook. I'm like, yo, what's up? You voted us the rudest city in America. <laughs> I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's where I'm that's where I hail from the Philadelphia area, born and raised here, but we spent almost 20 years out of this area. When I met you, Dan, I was living in New York. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we had spent. I was an engineer, corporate engineer for GE out of college. And that lasted 5 years, but really, I mean, I was physically there for 5 years, but I was emotionally there for 2 meaning I was all in on track for the big, I was on a leadership team. I met the whole board of directors my first few weeks in the, at, the, at GE. I was on track to become upper level management as part of a leadership team, uh, leadership training team, young guys out of college. And then I saw the underbelly of a, I don't want to call it a beast, but in this case, the beast, I got to see the underbelly of the beast really quick instead of waiting 30 years to find it. And I didn't like what I saw, lost my heart around what I was doing started looking for other things to do that changed the entire trajectory of, of our life. Um, it compl- and that's, that's what led to how we even um, got saved and accepted Jesus, like all these, wow. ste- all these steps, but it took God turning my heart uh, away from this corporate setting. And ultimately we went, we were in from Pennsylvania. Like I mentioned, we were in South Carolina for two years when I was a GE got saved in South Carolina. I was living with my girlfriend, you know, who's now my wife and so that was that world I was in and get engaged, except Jesus a couple months after getting engaged, like, whoa, things are not right the way they are. Mayday, mayday. We need to make some changes. The Bible, you know, Jesus is very strong on this language on what we're doing right now, Teresa. And we ended up taking a job transfer to New York uh, with GE and we started the Amway business. We got involved in that. That's what led us into a relationship with Jesus at a conference from Amway. Both no of way. us. Yeah. Both of us together on a Sunday morning at a uh, non-denominational Christian worship that you can come check out if you like. It's not part of the business conference, but you can still learn. I'm like, well, who's, who's doing it? Uh, this guy, Paul Miller was doing it. And he's like one of the multimillionaires, one of the biggest uh, business leaders from that business model. And he's going to be given the message. I'm like, I'll come back and listen to him teach. I like him. And, and he just goes through and hits the engineer right between the eyes with numbers. Like, you know how many prophecies there are, you know, the, you know, the, the likelihood, the probability that all 335 or something like that prophecies would be fulfilled all in, in one person, Jesus. And, he, and he's on stage and he goes, here's the number. It's one in one zero, 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 zero. He's walking down the stage with zeros and he only basically goes to the end. And then the zeros will go, will go all the way down there. And I was like, wow. And he says, and that's what Jesus did. He fulfilled every one of those prophecies. And he starts sharing some of them. I'm like, whoa, 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 I never heard that. And then the I just my heart was just twisting inside of me. Me and my, my fiance at the time, both of us, like, whoa, this is. And then they gave an altar call. Both of us stood up. We were at the top of the auditorium, like is a like a basketball or uh, basketball arena. I think it was Green Greensboro, North Carolina. 
uh, basketball arena. So it was like upper deck. I was in the upper deck with her. We got up, walked out the portal, down the ramps, onto the floor, and up to the to the front where a thousand of the people stood wow. and all wow. accepted Jesus that morning. And Teresa and I both got saved and we radically changed. And we took a job transfer in New York, uh, started different side businesses and stayed at GE, but I did not want to be there. And I totally gave up on it. I don't recommend doing that. I ended up being there physically for another three years before they fired me. And we were in New York <laughs> struggling for a long time because I didn't end my first career the right way. But uh, that was us. I mean, we're just uh, figuring stuff out. New Christians figuring out like how to live. We get married in New York. We we had done things right. We had um, you know decided that we were going to be pure before marriage. From the time we got saved to when we got married, nine months later, we stayed pure, completely pure before marriage. Nine months, guys. Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Nine months. <laughs> nine months. Yep. Uh, definitely. But so so worth it. So that that's that's one testimony that I can share with my children, and I have. And then. Uh, just live life and build a family, raise a family, made some really important decisions along the way that you would call different, maybe in today's standards. But if you would have said them 40 years ago, it would have been odd to say the other way. And here's the first decision is that I'm four years older than my wife and we get pregnant and she's a senior in high school and she's, I'm sorry, senior in high school. We met (laughs) senior in college and she's pregnant. My mom was, a, my mom, my dad was a senior in high school and he had me. So there is some truth there, but yeah. she's a senior in college. When she gets pregnant, we have um, the baby, her first son, Kenny, after that. And we make the decision. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Yes, you're graduating and we're going to have six figures in college debt and you could get a job. Yes, you could, but we're not going to do that. Ouch. We're just going to, we're going to swallow the six figures in debt and figure out how to live but mom, you're going to stay home and that's not going to be easy, but you're going to stay home. It's, it's too vital for mom, for, for you. It's a, it's a, it's a identity for our family. Mom is going to stay home. And there's other ones that came along five years later, another one we added on, we're going to be a, a family that decides our children's future, meaning we're going to influence them in the way that we choose to as a Christian home. We're not going to brainwash them, but in a sense we are in some ways, but we choose to homeschool our children. Why? Because, I mean, look at the public system now. Do I have to say any more than that? It's just nuts over there. The stuff they're doing, the stuff they're doing is just, it's crazy. It's not like you just go to school and learn math and science. You get indoctrinated with um, homosexuality in the ele- elementary school in the math textbooks. I just heard that like from Florida, Governor... Um, Sin, what's his name? Sant, Santori uh, or Santori. Yeah. I can't think of his name now. Good gov- governor. They did some kind of recall. I don't have the stats, but something like a stat in Florida of elementary school textbooks, m- math textbooks, elementary school, something like 70 or 80% of them he recalled because they had indoctrination stuff in it that was non math. Right. It was, it was like Bobby and Jimmy. Uh, husband and wife had four kids. Let's add like they're doing a math problem. Like, I don't know the details, but they recalled all this book. So I'm saying like, that's the public school system. Now it wasn't like that when we were starting out, but we just said, you know what? We don't want to put our kids in public school. We want to be able to raise our children in a Christian home. We don't want our kids to have to leave. We want to be with our kids. Let's keep them home. Mom's home. She loves teaching. I love teaching. Let's teach them how to be entrepreneurs. Let's teach them how to become disciples of Jesus. Let's teach them how to think for themselves versus being told what to do. These are like tenets of our homeschool. 
And then we have multiple kids and they all go through the school. And now we're pumping out entrepreneur, entrepreneurial discipled children. So there's a lot there. Uh, but there's a bunch of stuff in there that you would say that Ken's weird and different. Um, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on the, the homeschool track, uh, guys, I'm definitely not saying you got to homeschool your kids. I'm definitely not saying you got got to pull them out of public schools. However, uh, Ken and I are going to talk about some things going forward. So if you, you know, clenched your cheeks a little bit and thought, uh Oh, <laughs> I don't think I'm ready for homeschool. I'm not telling you you got to homeschool. No. I personally don't technically homeschool. Uh, I was going to get to this in a bit, but I might as well go into it now. Yeah. Um, when you think about homeschool and like all the things that Ken just talked about, you can do all those things absolutely homeschooling after they get home from school. So you yes. can do these things on Saturday and Sunday and Friday night and whatever. And um, you know, as as I talk about and I'll get into raising kids all that often. It's funny being a dad show. Uh, we often talk about ourselves and talk about God and talk about all this stuff. But when it comes to our kids, we can interrupt day-to-day life. Um, you know, my daughter was pitching the other day and she's a little softball pitcher 10 years old and the first inning she pitched what didn't go the greatest or the first half of the inning she pitched the other night in the game didn't go so well she was walking batters giving up a couple hits and i'm like i'm the head coach i'm shaking my head i'm like oh i don't know what went wrong we didn't practice in the last week but it's not going so good what do i do do i do i pull her and put a different girl in because this is this is not going well and I see her out there kind of moving around, kind of doing something. And then next thing you know, she starts throwing strikes, gets out of the inning and then game was over. And later on the next day, she goes, dad, did you notice how I was pitching? I said, yeah, I noticed how you're pitching. She says, did you see how I was doing terrible? So yeah. She says, do you know what I did? Did you see how it changed? I go, I did see that. And she goes, what I did was in my mind. I decided to replay all of the good pitching that I did. And I thought about my form and what I needed to do in order to throw a good strike. And I got that in my head and then I started pitching again and I started thinking about that. And then I got dialed in and then I had it, dad. I didn't have that at the beginning. I was like, Oh, right there. Like that is homeschooling. Oh yeah. And that was like a page out of Michael Phelps playbook too. Yeah, right, play, right. Yeah, play the tape. He would do that in his mind. I mean, she she should check out Michael Phelps' story because that's exactly what he did. It's cr- it's cr- incredible the programming yeah. he gave yeah. himself. I I totally I totally agree. And I preface that you know I was sharing what we do as a family. It was a choice that we made. Am I evangelizing you to be homeschoolers? No, I'm a I'm a public school graduate. It's fine. My wife's a public school graduate. Totally fine. We have many friends, church, public school. The kids go to public school. Fine. I mean, we need to be able to go into the public schools and minister and pray. For, I mean, talk about prayer. We need to pray for the, 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 the kids, for the teachers in there, for sure. And what you said is vital. The problem is if you put your kids in school and then you let the school teach them everything, that's the problem. Mm-hmm. You're, you're responsible as the, as the dad, as the mom and dad, really, you know, co- you're co-parenting, right? But you're going to want to, as the dad, really step up and, and be the influence. 
so I heard this stat early on as a dad. It was a, uh, it was, I think it was through one of probably a James Dobson book. Uh, I read like maybe raising, raising up boys and one of those. And it was a stat that I had read that was so impactful to me. And it lined up with what we had already decided to do as a young family. And it said, you're, you have a lot of, you have 24 hours in a day, you have 24 hours with your kids, theoretically. Yeah. But there are four times during the day that you have the most influence statistically. And if you could hit those, it's like an 80, 20 rule. It's less than 20. It's like 20% of the day. You can get 80% of your influence because the dads are going, like, well, I don't have time to homeschool. I don't have time to teach them this. I work all week, all weekend. I barely have time for myself. Um, I don't. So Ken, tell me the shortcut. What are the four times? Uh, the first one is when the kids first wake up. And the second one is when they first get home from school. So for those that are having kids go to school, for us, our kids are home during the day. So that second one doesn't apply as much. It's when they wake up, when they get home from school. Number three is dinner time. And number four is right before they go to sleep. So if you capitalize on those four times, we chose another family identity thing for us in a family mission statement is that we, we eat together. Have you ever heard like the family that eats together, prays together, stays together? Like you look at all those old shows, like the Brady Bunch, like that's like, or like leave it to Beaver, the classic American family. That seems odd today, but we actually do want to live like that. And we eat dinner, eat our meals together. And it's sad when one of the members of our family isn't there for dinner for some kind of an event or something they have like a prior engagement or one of us is traveling, but we are together probably 95% of dinners in a given year where we eat together, we pray, hold hands, and we talk. Many of those times, uh, I'll grab, grab the Bible and just decide to read something, not like a structure. What, do you, what devotional do you do? Nothing like that. We've done stuff like that. But I'll just pull the Bible out and say, you know, I was thinking about this today. I'm just open up a chapter. And I'll just read maybe... Like we did, we were talking about fasting yesterday. I read some chapter, like I read a chapter out of Daniel and I read something out of, out of Matthew five on fasting. And like, what do you guys think? We're talking about fasting while we're eating dinner. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Ironic. The, irony, the irony there. So those are four times. So for the dads that are busy, which are probably a lot of you out there and you like, I don't have time to homeschool. And Dan's even telling me, I, I got to teach my kids all this stuff. He's a coach. I don't have time to coach. So I'm giving you a pro tip here that there's four times. Can you get at least three of those four times and, and use those times to influence them positively in the way that you'd like to influence them? I'm not, am I saying you have to like, this is mostly, I guess, Christian men here on the show. So influence them to become disciples of, of Jesus. That's what we want to do. And if we, we also want to influence them to, be creatively thinking and solving problems, become leaders of tomorrow and taking and, and overcoming fears and influence them to, you know what? You have ideas. Let's bring an idea to reality and start a business with it. You don't have to get a job. You can get a job. You can go to college. Those are all paths that are okay, but you can also have a business. Mom and dad run a business for, for the Lord. And look, we do get to have more time with you. There's something you might want to consider. And so that they are, and they work in the family business. They do their own things now. So it's cool to see as they get older, they've been, I mean, they have been molded in that kind of image and they're, uh, 
they're so far, we're so happy with what, what's, what God's producing through our home. We're very thankful. So the, you mentioned the four times with the most influence with your kids. I was at early on when my kids were super, super young. And um, one of the guys at uh, the Saturday morning men's group, he's like, oh, I pray with my kids three times a day. Mm. Well, I knew what his job was. I knew I had a corporate executive job. I knew that took a lot. What I didn't know was it also gave him some flexibility. I did not know he picked his kids up from school every day. Like that's a that's a fairly large commitment for you know a guy with a full time job during the daytime. And uh, I said, "Can I ask you how you do that?" And he goes, "Yeah, sure. It's simple." Like, like it was nothing to him where to me, it seemed monumental. And he goes, you know, wake up in the morning, you know, we're doing our breakfast or whatever. We pray. Okay. We skip lunch because we're not together at lunch. So I don't, I don't pray at that time, but that would be a good time. Uh, Pick them up. And when we pick them up, you know, we drive and at this certain spot, we see a certain symbol and that's our trigger that this is when we pray. I was like, oh, that's super cool. So having things like a time and a place or when you see something, you know, some guys at the office pray when they walk through their door. It's a reminder every time they leave, every time they come back, so they can start with that pray unceasingly that some guys feel anxious. No, don't read that passage to me because I don't want to be involved with that because that's too hard. Hmm. That's too much. Anyway, side note. And then the third time he's like, either at dinner or at uh, when we go to bed. He goes, and really it's both. So I guess it's four times. I'm like, ah, four times. Like, <laughs> but that formula works for me. Like I can do that formula when. Yeah. Yeah. We So this is something that we've always held as, I guess, a, another tenet of our mission statement is within. So dinners together. So that third time is dinner together. Sure. We homeschool. So the first and the second one, we, we kind of get that as one continuum, right? We have them when they get up and we get time with them. They're watching like Superbook a little bit ago before I get on here and learning Bible stories. They'll read the Bible together. The three, my, my three younger guys, they all do their own thing. We'll go to the gym often together, uh, come back. Uh, my wife and I go for a walk. Like there's all these things that we do because we're a home and we can and do this interactively and bring a kid with us and have mom and dad with one of the kids going for a walk, house school going this is middle of the day when, when most of your kids are in school. So it's definitely an advantage we take, we don't just say, Oh, they're homeschool. There's here's some books have at it. Like we're interacting with them because there are children. We want to be with them on, like, as much as we can. And um, so those first two times are a continuum for us, but then dinner, I mentioned what we do for dinner. And then before bed, here's what we do before bed. We have always been read alouders. I think that might be a word. Read alouders. <laughs> it has tremendous uh, impact, especially from dad. Moms always do this, but not many dads, because the kids always look up. They look up to mom, but you don't realize how much your influence is as a dad until you you see it. I mean, it's in all the songs. You know, the lack of influence produces a lack of influence and a big influence produces a big influence. Like you have an influence, whether you're doing it or not, like the cats in the cradle kind of thing will happen if you don't do it. And if you do tremendous upside. So reading aloud is a really important, uh, just daily or weekly, whatever you can do, uh, 
kind of a, a frequency or a rhythm that you can do. And reading aloud has so many significant benefits to helping your kids learn how to read, helping them um, become better vocabulary wise and speaking and communicating and like it, there's and, and understanding stories. And so we read aloud and now we're at a point where we have five kids. Well, how do we read aloud? We actually have each kid has a specific night with mom or dad. And yes. after dinner, yes, after, yes, din- yes. after dinner, there's family cleanup. And then we'll go into depending on the night of the week. Um, Mondays, you know, I get my oldest son for a reading. And then my daughter is with my, with, with my wife. And Tuesday, I have my I have three of my sons all together because I do things for them, the three of them, or individually, that's Tuesday. Then she has my oldest son. Um, Wednesday, we all go to the uh, to the Royal Rangers ministry at our church, which that could, that could be something I'd love to talk about too. Thursday is uh, I'm reading to my daughter. So that was last night. I took her out for, um, we actually went to a few of our, of our office locations for the cleaning company. And we we're like filling up supplies for the uh, for the team, and then we brought our book with us and say, "Okay, let's go to the ice cream store." So we went over to the ice cream shop, got some ice cream, and I'm reading to her on her reading night. So we're going through this this fun book, and my wife is reading to the younger boys. And so Fridays is usually usually date night. Saturdays um, I do work on Saturdays outside the house. I go and clean offices, and even I'm still cleaning some offices. So Saturdays they all do that or family stuff. Sunday church day. So that's kind of the the rhythm frequency of our week, but that has been a huge benefit. And I'm still reading to my almost 18 year old son looks forward to it. And there's books and there's other things we'll do. Like we'll we'll add in little elements of like, I call man training or like what, or watch star Wars. Like him and I are huge in star Wars. We'll like read for half an hour, an hour, and then we'll do an episode of star Wars, like Kenobi or something that's coming out. So that's a lot of stuff I just dropped. So what do you want to talk about? <laughs> so so you, you just briefly mentioned man training, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, oh. We had a guest on named Scott Beebe. And Scott I know Scott. Talking, I know, you know Scott. Scott. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Business on purpose. He's fantastic. And then parenting on purpose in addition to that. But yeah, he was talking about how he thought, you know, it seemed, seemed pretty cool if we did some type of man training for my son and well, he's got a lot of kids he hangs around. So what if we bring them in? And mm-hmm. so once a week they did man camp at the house. It was a super original name for it, but that's what we called it. And he's like, sometimes it was, you know, how to shave or sometimes it was whatever he goes, but we we're always doing something. And whenever I was out of things to do, I'd pull a stopwatch out. <laughs> and then it didn't really matter what we did. Cause as long as we we're doing it for time, the boys were going to compete and have fun. So uh, that was pretty cool. And then fast forward, skip that uh, training and everything and, and push somebody to an older age, to an adult age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed a guy uh, also known as the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Oh, cool. Yeah. Did yeah. John, did one of your former guests, John Stange, inter- introduce you guys? No, actually, I knew him. Knew him. Uh, I forgot how the heck I got introduced. Oh, um, uh, uh, Tracy Jones, whose father was Charlie Tremendous Jones. Tracy Jones introduced me to him. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So him and Lex Luger run Man Camp. Oh. And it's like a version of City Slickers where they have guys come out and he shows them how to be a Christian man. And, I heard about and, this. Yeah, yeah. Super this. cool. Yeah. So you're bringing up man training. And, mm. you know, we can go woman training your daughter training. You know, yeah, so, I do that too. Yeah. But, but by being focused on things that you want them to learn, 
Um, Blake Brewer uh, introduces that with his legacy letter, teaches people how to write letters to their kids with some lifelong eternal importance to it. And but yeah, yeah. so having well, an idea of what you want to transfer to your kids, and it doesn't have to be overly fancy. Probably your mm-hmm. man training isn't, you know, an hour long and it isn't incredibly tactical and you probably don't spend two hours a week trying to figure out what you're going to teach them. Let me be very clear too. And, and say that I don't want to be all puffed up and think, Oh yes, I can tr- fully train my young man. Cause I have four sons and a daughter and I do man training with each boy and I do virtuous woman training with my daughter. But if for me to say, yes, I I'm training my kids. I and I alone. Right. And then, or I can say, oh, yes, I am doing it with my Bible and with Jesus. Yes, I could say that. I don't think God's wired us that way. He's wired us to be in fellowship. He's wired us to be in community. And if you look at some of the best raised kids from like out within or with outside of Christian circles, you go to like a tribe kind of a like a foundation or like a building block. And you like back in the day when neighborhoods were close and some, one of the kids wasn't doing something right. And, and uh, you know, Miss Barbara down the road or John from down the road would like get a hold of that kid. Yo, what are you doing, man? And he would just start mentoring him. And, and then you got a, a neighborhood, a tribe of men or, or families helping to raise your kids. So I, I also, realized that I couldn't do it alone. Yes, it's me. Yes, it's it's I'm a big part of that. The Bible, Jesus, big part, huge part of that. I needed other guys. I needed other men. I needed other moms to help me raise our children, help us raise our children. So yeah, we have some stuff we do at home and it's and we start them at age nine um for for that training. And they look forward to it. like right now I my my third son just hit nine. So he's like, Jack, so we're getting started. My youngest one's five. He's like, can I start man training? Not until you're nine. When will I be nine? <clears throat> he's holding up his fingers like one, two. <laughs> but the other piece of this, <clears throat> excuse me, is over a decade ago, we found the Royal Rangers ministry through our church. And it's an international ministry in over nine, in 95 countries, every state in the, every state in the, in the, in the U.S., and I became Commander Ken in the Royal Rangers. I've been active and doing this for, like I said, over 10 years. And so our, our church right now um, in the Philadelphia area, we have we just had our first night at Royal Rangers. There's 30 boys there, ages five all the way up to 17. We have the 16, 17, 18-year-old guys, our mentors and leaders for the next age group down and so on. And we have nine or 10 men from the church that are coming out and teaching. We have a chaplain. So it's structured where we're doing advancements, uh, merits, leadership training. We have camps throughout the year and it's a men's ment- It's a, it's a ministry. Uh, it's a mentorship ministry where we're raising men. And so me, Commander Ken, I'm part of helping, you know, 30 other dads raise their sons in the church. And we can get the we can get all the Pauls like we're a bunch of Timothys getting the Pauls and the Timothys and the guys are still figuring this out to come in and mentor these boys and I'll tell you a lot of them don't have like many of the boys um, they don't have a dad figure maybe they're absent or gone raised single mom or we had one recent uh, there's one two boys um, at our church at our outpost 
that they unfortunately their, their father passed away um in his mm. it's like 39 years old and now they're, they're two boys now the dad but were their dads and my boys is I, I won't take credit for fully for what they're becoming they're around those other guys and those men and they're getting discipled by a tribe of of men and that was really important to me so it's not just about well like you and what you can do you are a, a big element it, i think it's just as important two decisions you make as a, as a dad um i think number one make the decision that you're going to pour into yourself right you're gonna ch- you're gonna chase after jesus yourself and become a disciple that's infectious to you know towards towards your kids they'll see that they then number two you're gonna, you're gonna personally invest in your own children to do it for them and your wife as well you're what you're yourself your wife, your children. So to be a leader, you got to be out there in front. So getting up in the morning or whenever you find time, getting with the Lord in prayer and supplication and fasting, if so be it, reading the word, whatever it is for you, uh, do that. I'm not going to prescribe how to do it. Just get with God, spend time together. And then um, do that with your wife and your kids. And then the other thing is get with other guys, Get with other guys. You need other guys. You need other guys. You need, you need a podcast like this for sure to encourage you to do that. But this, you, you're not with me right now having lunch. You're not with me and Dan right now. If we were together, the three of us, or let's say there's 10 of us at, at a breakfast right now, me, you, me, Dan, and 10 of you listening to this, it would be a much different conversation because we would be, we, there's a, there's a connection, a fellowship, that prayer, I, I'd be holding hands <laughs> and we would be really connecting and you'd feel encouraged and you, the spirit of God would be moving. Not that it doesn't hear through a podcast, but boy, when it's in person to so get in the, get in those environments, get in those men's groups, the men's groups are empty in a lot of churches because men are busy, like get in those men's group. You need them. And then your boys need them. So that's why I do the Royal Rangers. It's designed, it's essentially a men's group for the boys with the men mentoring them. Yes, yes, absolutely. So you got me, you exactly described, I heard a term yesterday. It was the first time I'd heard it. It was called enlightened self-interest. And apparently Jim Rohn used to talk about it. Of course he did. He says everything good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like, you got to develop yourself, not so that you're self-interested, but so that you can learn to do something and then you can share it with others. So your intention is to become better, but the ultimate goal is to help others become better as well. So I like that enlightened self-interest. So, you know, you hear the term, oh, you're self-interested or you're selfish, or you think of yourself more. Well, in this process, I'm thinking of myself more and I'm self-interested more so that I can then give it away. You can't give out what you don't have yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah you got to yeah. be running over, right? You got to be pour, getting, getting the Holy Spirit poured into you day after day after day. Well, how do you do that, Ken? Well, the word is, look at, look at Hebrews. Hebrews 10.4, I believe. I have to check that. I have to check that in my records. Hebrew, in Hebrews, no, 410. I think it's 410. Uh, the word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, discerning even to the separation of the joints and marrow and the soul and the spirit. So the uh, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 
Oh, the word of God is living and powerful. And it's the word of God is alive. That's the point. The word of God is alive. It's living and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll take all your mess, a cut through it, and it'll 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 wake you up. <laughs> and so just keep reading the word. How do I do that? There's a book, open it, read it. <laughs> it'll change you. And then that'll help you, that'll fill you up. And then as it fills you up, you can then give out. So you said two-edged sword. That yeah. one, every time I read that in the Bible, it catches me. You probably, you probably can describe two-edged sword a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it cuts both ways, right? Cuts both ways, it cuts, yeah. It cuts both ways because it's just at the end of that verse, it's a, a discerner, the word of God, a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That, like it always got me to read that verse and be like, yeah, the word of God is so sharp. It's so, so sharp. It's living and powerful. So it's alive. And it's so sharp, it can separate the bone from the marrow. It can separate the soul from the spirit. Okay, that's pretty sharp. And it discerns our thoughts. And um, so it can discern our thoughts and our heart. So our, our feelings and our thoughts. So there's nothing you can think or feel that is hidden from the word of God. It's alive and powerful and knows all. So as you're reading it, it cuts both ways. I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> it's and that and that sword was heavy, right? Oh, definitely difficult to wield, right? Difficult to wield. So you drop that, you know, kind of drop a hammer on somebody. You drop that sword on somebody, and it separates the bone from the marrow. Like in order to separate bone, you got to be, you got to have a pretty stout weapon there. <laughs> and then you bring that down, and then you bring it up, and you just go the other direction and chop again. And I'm thinking, you know, what if I was back there in medieval times and had to wield the sword? I'm like, I want one of those two edge ones. I just want to keep <laughs> swinging. Get out of my way. I'm going to take it, you out. It's Hebrews 4.12. I was wrong the first few times. I knew that too. Hebrews 4.12 and uh, 13 is pretty good too. I was pulled up. This is the NLT. I happen to have open right here, but not, here's the verse 13 right after that. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are all accountable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Yep. We are all accountable to him. That's yeah. for dang sure. So you, uh, you also brought up something that reminded me of a, a book. Have you heard of Give and Take by Adam Grant? No, I don't know that one. Okay. So Give and Take by Adam Grant. I may have mentioned this on the podcast in the past, but there's a success pyramid or a success ladder, I should say. Mm -hmm. And there's givers, takers, and matchers. So out of those three, who would you think would be at the top? Well, takers are towards the top. Mm. Matchers are underneath. And then givers are at the very, very bottom. So what's a matcher? What's, what's that mean? So, um, Hey, you did something really, really nice for me, Ken. I really, oh, okay. Really Reciprocity it. people. Yep. And I want to do something nice for you. Gotcha. Okay. What could I do to match the niceness that you did for me? I don't want to be too over the top. I don't want to push the limits, but I just want to be equally nice back to you. Essentially, they're a, they're a taker with a positive attitude. Yeah, I mean it's and and it's around eighty percent of people are are matchers. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the the ouch. So how many yeah. are take? Wait, how many are takers? How many are givers? Ten percent on each side. Wow. Okay, that's mind blowing. <laughs> but yeah, you know maybe it's twenty twenty givers, whatever. Yeah. But so I mentioned givers are at the bottom, and a lot of people are like, oh no, that's horrible. And then they figured out the givers are also at the top too. 
and they figured out the difference between why at the top and also at the bottom is the givers at the top had goals. Mm. So they had a purpose. They knew where they wanted to go. So when you, you have that enlightened self-interest where you're doing something for yourself so that you can benefit others around you and kind of raise everybody's ships, that same type thing. So we've got to have goals. We got to know where we want to go. Otherwise, we can just drift around. We can be super great and do all these great things for everybody else, but we don't have anything in us. We're, we're empty. We don't fill ourselves up. So as you were talking, I'm like, oh, that's perfect illustration. <laughs> it of, is. That's why we do it so that we can glorify God. If like Albert Pujols, who's on a pretty great run right now, closing in on 700 home runs. Every time he gets to home plate, when he hits home run, he hits his chest and he points up like you got two fingers up in the air. It's not my power that I did this. It's because God gave me these abilities and he's working through me. And every time he hits home run, he glorifies God. Mm. It's not me. It's him. Mm. And, you know, his interviews and everything. And it's always glorifying God. It's just amazing. This is what, this is a, a sidebar, but it's similar. It's, it's related I grew up a massive sports fan you know, from the Philadelphia area. So you can right. figure out what teams I like. I know which teams you liked and Albert you liked because he was yep. a Cardinal. I get it. So I was a you know big Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, all that stuff. I followed sports, followed sports. And there's always the people that you hate in sports because they're mm-hmm. on the opposing team. And then you become a Christian. For me, was at 25 years old. And I start hearing stories or testimonies of these incredible stories like the Kurt Warner story, which if you haven't seen that movie, oh my goodness, amazing movie, The American Underdog. I get to I get to live through that movie, like okay, in person. well yeah, so I most guess of the guys so. in that movie I knew them and their wives and well, girlfriends yeah, and Lewis kids guy. and everything. Yeah, but like guys like that, and they're like, they're like I just want to you know praise the Lord Jesus Christ for He put me on this platform. I'm like, whoa you're a Christian. All of a sudden, these guys I was hating, I'm like, I can't hate them anymore. And it made it, it made me not like sports as much. It's like, <laughs> I'm trying to hang on to this, but and then t- I don't really do too much sports anymore. Um, but that's just kind of a, a, a funny thing that trans- transformed inside of me. I just started noticing that there were a lot of Christians in sports. I never noticed as a kid. I wasn't, I grew up Catholic, but I had no faith root a component i was just going to a church and doing what i was told to do and that's it i had no you know no depth no no character and i didn't know jesus but when i knew jesus i started recognizing his uh, his fellow servants that were playing in the different leagues and i started rooting for those guys even though i didn't necessarily like their teams or like them but i was like I don't know if you ever experienced that, but I certainly did. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. It's funny. One of the things I do these days is I'll just take a line out of Proverbs and drop it on social media. And it's funny how many Christians respond to it. It's like a secret code that we yeah. all recognize that other people are like, hey, that's really cool. And I'm like, it's funny. You're not Christian. And you think the saying is really cool, but everybody else knows it came from Proverbs. Oh, so you don't actually quote, you just put it in quotes. <laughs> no, I leave, I leave it off. And you, you, sh- you <laughs> should do, and you know, quoted by... King Solomon, the wealthiest and wisest man in human history. Or just, you know, Solomon. A- as said by the wisest man in history. The wisest Got and wealthiest. It. Don't forget that. And wealthiest too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't forget that. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll take so I'd funny. like to have a combination of those two, wise and wealthy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So hey, <laughs> speaking of wealthy, I I do want to catch years ago you started a cleaning business 
and clean residential and I think a little bit of commercial. Yep. And you were doing the, so guys, it doesn't matter what your job is. Do what you do, you know, pick your, pick your lane in life and do what you think is the best thing for you and your family. I always encourage guys to pray to God, you know, Hey God, open my eyes to whatever opportunities there are in front of me, all those type things. So this isn't to say, Ken, I can't believe you clean houses as a man and blah, blah, blah. I, don't, I don't care. Uh, mm. One of my good buddies growing up actually cleaned commercial offices and me and him would go clean doctor's offices at like 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. 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 So, no. so tell us about that and then kind of the progression. Yeah, no, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. I just did a uh, video. Oh, and, the, and let me back up for a second. Yep. You're like, guys, we don't want to hear about your cleaning company at all. Uh, <laughs> he's got a way. He's got a way where he actually helps guys figure out how to make an extra 50 grand a year working part time. So, okay, now now we're listening. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> it set me off. <laughs> Let me see if I can hit this one off the tee for you. <laughs> All right. I was an engineer and got into cleaning. That's my wife. Uh, she started that business and we, we called it our business for years. Last year, we gave it back to God. It's his company. We did residential where I was doing it by myself for many years, cleaning houses and just the lowliest of jobs, but doing it with a good heart and having tons of time to listen to podcasts and listen to audiobooks, read, listen to all my audio Bible, have a lot of, a lot of me time and make money. I engineered that business um in new york new york area when i first met you by the time i met you how could i be home on a monday well we used to work five six days a week in that business meaning me not we my wife was home i was working five six days a week and i was drained i still saw my kids at nights and weekends but i was drained i was able to engineer it and with um also some help of a mutual friend of ours mr vincent Puglisi. he was uh been there with me and kind of coaching me and spurring me on and and I, we transformed that business into, instead of five days, six days a week at a full-time income, it became two days a week at a full-time income. And so that let me be home five days a week. So like five-day weekends and two-day work weeks, which gave me those Mondays I could do those calls with you. And I was home Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, or whatever. Actually, it worked out that I was, I was home four days in a row. I was working four days in a row, and then I had 10 days off. That's what it was. So worked for 10 days off, worked for 10 days off. It was really cool. I got to work on my passion projects. And so that business we sold in 2018, start, came down to Philadelphia, did a new one. And I started a podcast at that time. And it's called The Smart Cleaning School. And I shared, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this again. I'm going to start a business and prove to, prove to myself and to others that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have a model called the ISO model that teaches how to do this. And I did it again from 2019 through the beginning of 2021 to through the pandemic, the first 150 episodes of my podcast, Smart Cleaning School. Here's how Ken went from zero to almost a six-figure income, cleaning houses and offices part-time, meaning my kid, my older two kids were helping, but it was just on, on, on a weekend. I was doing the work and I'm home during the week, a couple houses here and there. And then last year made it made a big decision to start scaling that business building out systems and teams. And now we have employees and systems and we outsource stuff and, and I got coaches and, and it's, it's been a, so much more fun to do it this way. And we did that because we went, we wanted to get to the next level of freedom. And this past February, we got to spend the entire month of February in Florida on the Gulf coast. We spent time with Vincent and his family, other friends, and we just enjoyed Florida for the whole month. 
the, the clean company was running back home. We'd made the transition over to commercial. So I run Carfagner Commercial Cleaning, which is a 10 talent company. It's the Lord's company. I run it for them. The C3 team is, you know, these are people that are working the vineyard for God and I, I get to manage them. And then uh, the Smart Cleaning School has just continued to grow and morph into uh, a podcast that helps people that are brand new, they're thinking about cleaning. And here's the message I, I would say, like, Dan, you kind of led to it, is like, yeah, you can make some money. Here's the question, like, dads, if, if you're like, I want to have some more time or like j- my job is overbearing or may, may not like what I'm doing or I just want some extra money, I'd love to do a side hustle or something on the side. My question, people are like, well, look at me like, what is, have you ever thought about cleaning? And I say that, have you ever thought about cleaning? Why? Because without employees, which I did twice before the current version of our business, without employees, you could grow a side cleaning business a couple days a week, a couple nights a week. If you're a mom, even during the day while your kids are in school, a couple days a week, you can make $50,000 part-time cleaning houses in your own cleaning business. Or if you say it like me, in God's cleaning business that you get to run. So that's all taught in the Smart Cleaning School. If you want to check that out, go check out the podcast. Um, smartcleaningschool.com is uh, the website. And there's even like, um, there's a PDF you can download from there. There's videos, there's a PDF on there. That's, uh, you know, you, the solo cleaning quick start guide. So you can like actually see some tangible things and what to do first, but reach out to me if you have any questions on that, but thanks for letting me uh, share some of that. That's what I do as a career. Uh, I really enjoy it. I get to mentor and minister other men and other, other families um, through, through even cleaning. Yeah. So I like that example for a whole bunch of different reasons. Uh, one in the cleaning business, it's pretty easy to understand how you can get your child to come along with you in the cleaning business. When I used to, and spend one-on-one time with them as well. So when I used to clean offices with my buddy, uh, it was super cool. I got to hang out with my buddy. It doesn't sound super cool cleaning commercial office spaces, but we'd vacuum a little bit. We'd throw some trash away. Uh, I got to go to this one office where there was a professional golfer that had an office in this building. So I got to hang out in this professional golfer's building and see what memorabilia he was bringing in. And he was right there in front of you. I'm like, this is pretty cool. So anyway, got to have some cool experiences that way. But secondly, I got to hang out with my buddies. We got to drive around a bit and it was cool. It was a good gig. It was, you know, like you said, you got to listen to podcasts, listen to audio Bible and things along those lines. Um, So I'm not saying, again, go start a cleaning business. What I am saying though is consider how you spend your time. Consider how you spend your time. Ask God, hey, you know, what what could I be doing with my time? Whatever that might be, uh, some great opportunities to spend with your kids one-on-one. Maybe you want to make some more money. A limiting belief a lot of us have is that money is the root of all evil, and that's just not true. The love. (laughs) There's the key word. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. Um, Pride jumps in there and, and things like that, but money and wealth aren't all that difficult to grow and build when you don't have any and you've been around people that don't have any, you get conditioned to believe that there's a lack of. And so when you come from a position of not having, you believe that it's difficult and challenging. But when you step outside of that circle and start connecting with people that have the ability to make money, there's a guy I know I don't know if he's got a hundred million dollars, but I get to hang out with him on a fairly regular basis and to hear him say things like, ah, it's going to run about a million bucks. We'll figure out a way to, 
to put that together and get that one taken care of. Like it was nothing. Somebody called him a while ago and said, Hey, there's this island that the bank owns now, but we need to offload it. Would you like to get it? And can you come up with this amount of money by this date? And he looked at it real quick. He goes, Yeah, I could do that. Anyway, bought an island, put all these condos on it, sold it, made a fortune. But he's like, I'm not good at a lot of other things, but I am good at building wealth. I am good at making money. I am good at making things right. profitable. And then I can help other people in that area. So like, anyway, my mind gets blown when I have no, that's good. We, it's a, we can be, we can be stewards in that way. They say, give our time, our talents and our treasure. So why not all three? I, we have a personal, we grew up that way too. I'm, I totally relate with everything you just said about that money mindset. I grew up with a poverty mindset. Where's the cheapest gas station? We'll set, we'll save two cents to drive an extra three miles, not realizing that we actually spent more to get there. That wasn't the point. The point was we, we could tout, I got it for $1.19 and it's not whatever. So I get that. But I also today, I want to have, I want to be able to bring in as much money through the businesses that we run for the Lord as possible, because we're 10 talent stewards. And that, 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 that servant, that steward, that got five talents. He received, he invested well. He had the, the, the capacity to do that. It says that they, they were distributed those talents. This is from Matthew 25. They were distributed those talents in order of their capabilities. And so he was able to mm-hmm. take the five and turn it into 10. He turns it into 10. That's why I want to be a 10 talent steward. He then is rewarded. Hey, good and faithful servant. Great job. By the way, this guy that didn't do anything with his one, you can have his too. And now the five goes to 10 and they get to freebie gets to 11. And I'm thinking, I think that's a pretty good formula for God's economy. Five. I want to be a five. I want to qualify to be a five, five to 10 to 11. Hmm. How about 11 to 22? And then get two more freebies from unprofitable servants, be 24, because the Lord wants to bring in the wealth to, to the people that are going to distribute it through his kingdom. And that's what I want to be. I want to be a, a not a reservoir, but like you say, a, a prosperous lake. And there's so many, so many families that like if you had an extra fifty thousand dollars, would you go buy a car with it? I mean, probably not. No, I wouldn't. Would you, no. no, what would you? If you had $50,000, $100,000 over and above anything you could think of, all your investments are filled up, you pay off your mortgage, whatever else you might think you, now what are you going to do? You're if gonna- you pose that question to me right now, this second, there's an investment in New Orleans that I would love to. <laughs> okay. So after the investments in New Orleans, after all these things, and you just really take that money and you, cause you, there's that, there's the exercise. Okay. Here's $10 million. Spend it in 30 yeah. days. Like Brewster's millions, that movie. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you do, but you think like, what is the things that matter most? You know what? There's three, these, this single mom, at my church, I want to be able to do something for her and not have her know it's me. Or there's yes. this, these, these kids over here, or there's this community center over here. And they've been knocking on doors, trying to raise a $500. What if I drop a check for $5,000 and blow their minds and have it be anonymous, like stuff like that. Uh, there's a book I put out of my drawer that we've been reading to our family. Um, it's, this is an amazing book. It's called the ultimate gift, ultimate gift by, by Jim, Jim, Stovall. Jim Stovall. Check this book out. This will mess with your heart big time. Um, it'll reveal if you're a selfish person for sure, but it'll really mess with your heart. It's such a wonderful book. And we're reading this right now as a Sunday night read to our our whole family. Uh, But yeah, imagine if you had that kind of money, you could just, 
you, you could just give. If all that extra is coming in, no, you don't want it for yourself. That's selfishness. That's a taker, right? Like you were saying before, a giver first. So let's be the giver on the top and the bottom. Let's be a giver to generate and have goals. Just generate generate the wealth as much as possible. Have that come in. And then on the top, we're overflowing. We're giving it to, to those in need. And when it really comes down to it, I mean, that car, that extra, whatever, that investment, that car, those are all great. But nothing feels better in your heart when, then when, you, when, then when you see someone light up after they've received. When a waitress gets a $100 tip and she's like freaking out and you've left the room. Or like, mm-hmm. or like if you, you buy dinner for like, just these are examples I've heard. Okay. Or like you've left a restaurant and you paid for an entire family to eat because you saw them like looking in their purse for like dollar bills. You're thinking, and they're, or they're ordering salads, not meals off the menu, just so they could be together at a meal. And you just uh, go pay for the whole, and you pay for the whole thing and you watch it and you see the family looking around like what happened? The waitress is going over. Yeah. Your meal's been paid for. Whoa. And they're freaking out in a different language, <laughs> right? So these are cool things that we get to do. So funny, you brought up Kurt Warner earlier. Kurt Warner's family, it was Super Bowl week. He was with the Arizona Cardinals. And they usually look around when they're out to eat and they find somebody that's maybe mm-hmm. emotional and maybe something's going on. So they look for that, somebody in need. Yeah. This particular time, Super Bowl week, they look over and they see this family just excited and exuberant and joyful and they're like wow we wish everybody was like that like we're gonna change the change our path this week and we're gonna bless that family and so they pay for them anonymously that family finds out who it was (laughs) come over start talking it's one of the defensive linemen for the pittsburgh steelers (laughs) 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 gonna try to knock his block off at the super bowl (laughs) And they did. <laughs> yep. They they ultimately <laughs> did. It was crazy to think Kurt won that dang thing. And then the Steelers came down and put it right back and, and won that Super Bowl. That was a crazy, fun Super that Bowl. That is a really funny story. It was hilarious when I heard it. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So that guy that I mentioned with $100 million or whatever his net worth is, I don't even know. He went to the Ukraine. I'm like, why are you going personally? He's like, one, because I didn't. I need to bring food there because they need food, and I don't know how to get it there. So I've got to be the boots on the ground to navigate and figure out how to do all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, you know you're risking your life. He's like, but it needs to get done, and I don't know how to do it. So I got to go solve that mm. problem. Mm. And we're gonna bring hundred thousand meals over there, and then we're gonna figure out how to set up the supply chain so we can keep sending meals over there. I'm like, my goodness. So money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. That's the root of all evil. If Mm. we had the means to send a hundred thousand meals to the Ukraine, like that would be awesome to see a problem in the world and be able to know you can be the one to solve it. Of course, with God's help, you know, it's not you that did it. It's God through us. And and if you're just aware like you can watch the news and watch all the stuff going on and you can find all the problems in the world. Absolutely. If you're just aware and stop looking down at your own problems, you'll see so many opportunities in your, in your backyard, literally in your neighborhood. There are families struggling right now more than you realize they need prayer. They need help. And sometimes they say, I need help. And like, and, and we say as Christians, Oh, I'll pray for you. And we mean it. I hope that we actually do pray for them. 
But you should, it'd be how much cooler would it be if you not only prayed for them, but you also had the means to be like, huh, like what's going on? Well, you know, we just, you know, we lost a job and the out of money, the mortgage is over, like whatever the situation you say, well, I'll pray for you. And then you round up some other, maybe some other business owners or some other people with some, with some means of the church. Hey, this family, the Smiths over there, this, the dad just lost a job and the kids are, they can't afford private school and they, they're going to about to, whatever the situation. And Hey, let's, let's, uh, let's throw some money over there. And you go over and whatever you buy them groceries or you drop off an anonymous check in the mailbox for like $50,000 something ridiculous. Right. And they just, uh, and find a way to catch the reaction if possible or not, but just to know that you did that and you were a part of something like that. That's a motivation that I think is such a powerful why, if you really grab hold of it, to want to do more. And the other one for us is that we just we just wanted I just I just wanted time. At first, I just wanted time, so I'm like I don't I'm making a good full time income, so I just need to go from six days to two days. And I have the time and I could do the Monday call with Dan <laughs> and yep. I could be with my kids because they're homeschooled. And I could be with them and play and build stuff and all that. And then over the last couple of years, I'm realizing, yeah, I have the time and I, I do. I'm home every day of the week. Now I work on Saturdays, uh, cleaning offices still. Um, but we have a team that clean the uh, most of our offices. I'll soon be getting out of cleaning pretty soon altogether. We're going back to Florida in February for another month because an amazing experience <laughs> for our family. So I've just gotten the, that desire that like Proverbs 16, nine, get the desire and God will, will make the, will, will set the path in order for you. So I want to now go from having time and I want, ha- I want time and money, time and yeah. money and yeah. be able to use the money to do cool things. And the, you're right back at you listening out there right now. You get to define what cool things are. Yes. Yes. 100%. So guys, as you listen to this podcast, and especially as you got towards the end, and you thought, okay, I, I can make choices. I can make some moves. I can change my life in whatever way you want to change it. Um, and maybe nothing's come to mind, or maybe you go through a checklist of family, friends, finances, fun, fitness, whatever those things are. And you go, Ooh, there's an area where I can improve. What's a move I can make there to improve. Maybe it takes some money. Maybe it takes, usually it's not the money. That's the issue. Usually it's the, the who usually you need somebody in your life to help you advance to the next level. And there's a bunch of different places where you can find guys. So it could be a church, could be at the office, could be at the gym, could be checking out Ken's podcast. If you'd like to make a little extra coin could be, uh, every January we run something called the ascent. So that's where I help guys. We've got a group of guys actually that help guys do the important, but not urgent. So all those things that you say you're going to do someday and never get around to doing, you'll do them tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. So when you think about Mm -hmm. the things that are really, really important, but not urgent, and they always get crowded out by other things, that's what we help guys accomplish in the ascent. So it's a 12-week cycle that we run, and we help guys unlock the things that they always wanted to do and accomplish that truly important but not urgent stuff. So there are ways, there are ways. So just listen to this podcast can help, but then also reaching out and connecting with guys who 
maybe have a little expertise to help get you on your way a little bit and stay with you along the way to keep you motivated, just like Ryan did for me. So again, thank you, Ryan. If I haven't thanked you enough, I'm going to thank you one more time. So I appreciate your note, your your Facebook message you sent me. And with that, a couple things I'd like from you, Ken, any any final thoughts? And then we always finish off with a challenge. So something that guys can do week to week. I've generally always got a challenge in the back of my head if you don't come up with anything, but something guys can accomplish between this week and the next episode they listen to maybe in a week or so. Okay, cool. Well, final thing for me, now you've heard enough of me on this interview. Just go back and re-listen if you want to hear my final thoughts. (laughs) Awesome. I love that one. (laughs) Here you go. Ken's done. Challenge. This is the first, I was thinking of a couple, but this is the first one that came to mind. Go reread the five love languages, and I want you to figure out what your love language is, your wife's love language, and your children. It is a powerful way to build relationships within your family. So go reread the book, have each one of the kids even take the test. It does work. We figured out our kids, and we've applied that stuff in relationships. Yeah, that's super cool. Oh, and the other part of the challenge is not just read it. Whatever your wife's number one love language, whatever it is, you have to go do one thing in that love language also. So give us an example. Okay. So the five love languages for those that don't know, it'd be quality time, uh, personal or physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service and receiving gifts. So my least favorite is receiving gifts. That's not mine. It's my, my, for a while, it was my wife's number one. Thankfully, she's changed a bit. It does change over time. I did that eight years ago. Check it again, man. Uh, so, uh, so I'll interrupt. So gifts. So say that is your wife's gifts. It doesn't have to be expensive gifts. No, no. Just doing something. And maybe she's a gifts slash acts of service together. You could combine them. But yeah, come up with something creative. Like it could be as simple as getting her flowers. Like in my case, I haven't bought my wife flowers in probably about six months. That's terrible. So I, my challenge is I'm going to do that in the next <laughs> week. Go get my wife flowers because I know it's an act of service and it's a receiving gift. And she buys them for herself to let me know she likes them. So, I, I okay, that's a challenge I gave to you, but there's a mirror somewhere that just bounced back at me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So there you go, guys. So yeah, the gifts, they don't have to be expensive. If it's access service, you know, you can easily, you know, look at that honeydew list. That's clean the kitchen, do the dishes, clean the kitchen. Yeah. Fix that honey, fix one thing on the honeydew list that you said you'd get to last month. Maybe it's quality time and Mm -hmm. acts of service. So something you can do is, Hey honey, by the way, I just picked up dinner. I'll be home in 15 minutes. Affirmation. You have to make dinner. You can grab it on your way home. Yeah. Affirmation is another big one for, for the moms too. Like if that's it, some, some mom is just, Hey, you've been doing amazing. I just wanted to let you know that I've been watching how you've been raising the kids lately and how you've been staying um, just very level-headed and calm when some of the things have been challenging. I just really admire you for that. I, I want to learn more from, from you about, about how you do that. Something simple like that. And she'll be like, Oh my gosh, that'd be a good night for you too, dude. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You have as many kids as I do. <laughs> well, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on, Ken. This has been a blast. And uh, man, there's so much good stuff in this episode. So thanks for sharing your life with us, but then also sharing some ways where guys can make some extra coin too. 
Oh, thanks so much, Dan. It's been great knowing you as a friend for all these years. And thanks so much for inviting me on your podcast. I appreciate what you're doing for these guys. Absolutely. My pleasure. Look forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Take care. See you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.